Morning. How are we, everyone? We got there. Cool. So, my name's Adam. For those who don't uh, know me, um, I was chatting this morning um, with Laura, my lovely wife, and she just said a few things to me. She said, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Um, but if I'm myself too much, I might get really distracted and we'll end up in a place that I really don't want to go. So, um, excuse me if I stick to my notes and, yeah, just um, let God do the talking through me. Amen. So, yeah. So, um, can I pray for us before we start and then we're going to get stuck into the story of Rahab. Father, I pray that you would speak today. I pray that you would say exactly what you want to say this morning. Father, anything that is not inspired by you and is a good word for us this morning, may it fall to the floor and be forgotten. For something that you want to teach us, Lord, all those things, may they be remembered, may they sink in deep and bring about a transformation in our hearts that outworks itself in our lives that look more and more like you, Jesus. Pray this in your amazing name. Amen. Well, yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, What we're going to unpack today, uh, as we're continuing with our Mosaic series on Matthew 1 and the genealogy of Jesus, is how the story of Rahab sets the scene for what the kingdom of of God is like and how Jesus, the coming Messiah's plan for redemption and salvation of the Jewish people was very different to what they were originally expecting. So before we really get stuck in, Let me briefly summarize where we find ourselves in the story of Rahab in Joshua 2. So Moses has passed away, and the Israelites have just crossed the Jordan River, which God had miraculously parted, just like in Egypt, symbolizing the end of their time in the wilderness and entering into the Promised Land. Joshua is now in command uh, of the Israelites, and the first city in their way is Jericho which God has already promised to deliver to them. Joshua sends two men to scout out Jericho and its surrounding lands, and while they are doing this, they seek shelter in the house of Rahab, a known prostitute. The king of Jericho gets word of these Israelite spies and that they've been spotted going into Rahab's house and sends soldiers to find them. Rahab hides the spies in her roof, lying to the king's men about where they are, sending them on a wild goose chase. She tells the spies she has heard of the powerful things God has been doing and confesses to him being the one true God. She then asks that in exchange for keeping the men safe and continuing their work, that God would spare her and her family when they take the city. The men agree and as a symbol of their covenant with her, ask her to hang a scarlet cord out her window to ensure God's protection over her house and their safety. They escape out the window and go back to Joshua and report to him that the land is ready for the taking and the inhabitants are truly terrified of this God who has been fighting for the Israelites. We later read that God did indeed deliver Jericho to the Israelites by knocking down the city walls and not one person in Jericho was spared except Rahab and her family. She later went on to live with the Israelites and even married one of the spies she harbored, cementing her position in the genealogy of Christ that we read in Matthew 1. One woman, unlikely and damaged as she was, showed incredible faith in a God she hadn't even seen, which paved the way 
for the Israelites to step into the promised land and ultimately the birth of the Messiah. So that's what we're going to be taking a look at this morning. There's a lot in here, uh, and we could spend weeks unpacking just Joshua 2 alone, but let's pick up the story from verse 8, and I think we're going to have it on the screen, where Rahab has just gone, has just gone up um, to check on the spies. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to, have, um, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond Jordan to Siho and Og. Where you devote, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God, in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with me and my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there, three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then, if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if the land, but if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath you have made us swear. And then she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in her window. So to understand the kingdom significance of this passage and why Matthew would place this woman um, in the direct line of Christ, we need to get a bit more of a picture of Rahab and her life up until this point. From this story, we know a few things about her. Firstly... We know she is a prostitute, most likely not by choice, alluding to a difficult past which has landed her in prostitution as a means to survive. She is also a Canaanite, an enemy of Israel, with a mark of destruction over her life, like all the other inhabitants of Jericho. But we also know that she is the only one in all the land who, when hearing of the power of God, believed and received him into her life. And this is so crucial as to why and how God used her in the ways that he did. So where does Rahab's story of faith begin? Well, 
it begins with the simplest of acts, by opening a door. When the spies first came into her house, she had two options available to her, and neither were ideal, and both required a great amount of faith. Option one, fearful of the king of Jericho, she could turn the spies in, but risk the wrath of this God that she had heard so much about, destroying anyone that would oppose the armies of Israel. Or option two, she could dare to believe that the same grace and mercy she had shown the spies would in turn be shown to her by this God, delivering her and her family from certain death. Well, we've read the story and we know her answer, as we've just heard in verse 11, as she said to the spies, the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens and above all the earth. So this is Rahab's salvation moment right here. In this confession of faith, she caught a glimpse of her future, aligned with God, who she knows is real, who is moving, who is working, who is not idle and powerless like the gods that she's seen in her own people. And from this moment on, her life would never be the same. In this same conversation, we see a beautiful image of God's heart towards his children in the way these spies actually interacted with Rahab. We need to understand that for the entirety of her life, she was used to being taken advantage of, abused, and rejected because of her status and her choice of work. The way the spies conversed and interacted with her gives us an amazing picture of how God does relationship with us. He doesn't burst in and condemn. He redeems. He doesn't force us to believe in him, but he reveals himself to us and invites us into a relationship of surrender that in turn brings around our transformation. So let's put ourselves into the story for, of Rahab for, the, for a moment. Without Christ, we would all be Rahabs separate from God by our sin, without hope and awaiting our destruction. Now, that's quite a heavy image to process and to think about. And that is exactly why Matthew wants to remind us of this story. That is why he deems this down-and-out woman, born an enemy of Israel in a situation that most would say is utterly hopeless, worthy of mention in the genealogy of Jesus and his kingdom purposes. He wants to remind us of the way that salvation really works in the kingdom of God. Matthew is shining a light on the story of Rahab, reminding us that even in the midst of an impossible situation, there is hope for those who believe in Christ. He's saying, look, remember what faith and a surrendered heart can do for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel right here on perfect display. That is that God sees us, and he loves us far too much to let us stay in our sin, letting our past define our future. But he instead comes right into our lives and right onto our doorstep. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they will with me. Just like the spies of Rahab's, at Rahab's door, God is knocking on our door right now, wanting to unlock our true identity as sons and daughters, designed to bring him glory and to be in intimate, loving relationship with him. Jesus' kingdom is one where he chooses to use the faith of the broken and not the might of the righteous. 
So my first challenge to us this morning is, are we prepared to open the door? Not just let Jesus come to the doormat, but all the way into the house, into our mess and our places of vulnerability, that he might begin his redeeming work in us too, transforming us into exactly who he's designed us to be. Another thing that Matthew wants to remind us of is, um, in looking at Rahab's story, is God's heart for all of humanity, not just the Jews. His offer of salvation is for everyone who needs hope. If God can use one moment of faith through a prostitute to help bring about the salvation of humanity, don't you think that we too are also qualified to be used by him? Yeah? Cool. There's some people here. Great, thank you. You're going to have to encourage me, otherwise I'm going to, yeah. Anyway, uh, (laughs) and in whatever season you find yourself in as well. So Matthew is saying, look at our Messiah. Look at the king who is coming to redeem us. His kingdom is not going to come through military might or the striving of the righteous. It's going to come about through the faithful broken who understand their need for a saviour and are willing to simply surrender and be used by him in whatever way for his glory. That is what his kingdom will look like, and this is how the Messiah will reign. God is in the business of raising up the unlikely, the imperfect, and the downcast, not because he's bored and he wants a challenge, but because the transformation um, that follows, as we see in Rahab and all the women of our Mosaic series, can and could only be credited to him. That kind of transformation can only come through uh, a holy God. A transformed life points to the transformer, and radical redemption points to a redeemer. So why is this relevant to us today? Well, if the kingdom of God is for flawed, imperfect, broken people, then we're in luck. Not just, yay, Not just because God has so clearly demonstrated that righteous and a moral life, righteousness and a moral life are not qualifiers for salvation, but because we too have the same capacity for redemption over our lives that Rahab had. Because the kingdom of God is for everyone, so too is his forgiveness, reconciliation, and his lavish grace. I stand at the door and knock. Who will let me in so that I might eat with them? So let's just talk about the um, scarlet cord for a little bit. The image of this scarlet cord is a symbol of Rahab's covenant, her responsibility to trust in the promises of God. Other than physically letting the spies into her house, this was the other part that she had to play in helping to outwork God's plan. The cord is also symbolic of Christ's covenant to us. It represents the blood of Jesus that would be spilled to fulfill what he said he would in paying the ultimate price for our sins, to erase our past, separation from him, and restore right relationship with a loving God and King. I love this imagery of having a, a, yeah, ha- hanging a sign or a, a garment out your window, a big banner that basically says, God is faithful and he's got this. That's what I saw when I, when I was reading this, and that's what I think Rahab um, was doing when she hung her uh, cord out in faith. 
Scarlet is also the color used to represent sin. And in Isaiah 1.18, we read, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. And in preparing for today, I couldn't get away from the fact that the very thing that was the embodiment of Rahab's past life of sin was the exact same thing that saved her. And isn't this just like God in the way that he likes to work? To take past mistakes, regret, and pain and use it to save. Not just an entire family from destruction, but to go one better and protect the very line of the Messiah, the very line of Jesus. And if that's not a mosaic right there, I don't really know what is. Beauty coming from brokenness. Just like Rahab, God has already encountered you. He's already encountered us. So what will you do this morning? When we encounter God, what will we do? When God comes knocking on our door, offering his grace, salvation, and a transformed life, will we choose surrender to his perfect plan for our lives? Or will we miss what he wants to do in and through us because like the Canaanites, we heard the word, but we resisted the transformation. When we have a revelation of who God is, our lives can't help but be changed. Our lives can't help but look different. We don't need to worry about how we are going to be used by God, but are called to simply trust that his plans for our lives are perfect, that they're wonderful, and to simply say yes as Rahab did. Her true identity as a daughter of God was, restored, was restored to her through that confession of faith. Her past was no longer allowed to dictate her future. And that's what God can do for us too, and that's what he wants to do here this morning. So, <laughs> as I uh, try and land this a little bit, I might get uh, Marty to come up and the team in a sec. Um, let me leave you with a few thoughts and then we'll pray and we'll commit this word to God. There was nothing that Rahab could have done in her own strength to earn her salvation before God. It was a gracious gift through faith. God could have chosen to defeat Jericho however he wanted, but he chose Rahab to outwork his perfect plan and simply required faithful obedience from her. He chose to use a life that for all intents and purposes was doomed, fraught with sin and was worthless, bringing about a bold faith, a new destiny and a restored relationship. The story of Rahab is the perfect mosaic, a beautiful image of someone that by her very nature was broken and fractured, being used as the perfect piece in God's eternal plan for the restoration of humanity to himself through Jesus. So let's be people who don't just hear the word and let it fall by our side, but whose lives, who live lives that are fueled by the promises of God and his goodness and his faithfulness. So if you're in a season of muck and mess here this morning, take courage in the story of Rahab. Take hope in the impact that the lowliest and least had in God's eternal plan.
Take courage in the way God's kingdom plan is being outworked even today. Jesus is a very different kind of king and his kingdom is for everyone. No matter our situation, no matter what has been spoken over our lives, this morning Jesus wants to say that he sees you, he wants to use you and he has plans for your life that are far greater than you could possibly imagine on your own far greater than you could possibly imagine away from him. Will you let him in today? Will you let him transform your brokenness just like he did Rahab's? Let's pray, shall we? Father, I pray that Upon hearing the, the word of Rahab this morning that there is an openness and surrender in this room to exactly what you want to do in and through all of us here at Hills. Lord, I pray for soft hearts to receive your word and to, yeah, not for this word to not be heard and then brushed aside, but for it to sink deep and to bring transformation. This morning, Father, we speak against past words that have been spoken over your children here about unworthiness, failure, past sin that would limit our effectiveness for your kingdom's work. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that you are the great restorer, redeemer and healer, and that the currency of your kingdom is faith, grace and love. And we're so thankful that you invite us to share in that with you. Lord, would you remind us that we don't need to be perfect. We can't be. To be used by you, Lord, we simply need to say yes to the lavish love of an amazing God and see what you want to do in our lives and just hop on. <laughs> Lord, we invite you into the house this morning, not just to the doorstep, but would you come into our brokenness and would you come into um, our mess so that you can redeem us and change us and transform us to look more like your son, Jesus. We thank you that this isn't just something that you can do, but this is something that you want to do because you're just that good and you're a loving father. So as we worship and do community after the service and, yeah, as your, your family continues to gather here this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would be in our conversation, you would be redeeming us even now as we lift up praise to you, as we sing about your promises and your faithfulness, Lord. May that sink in deep to bring true transformation and true healing and restoration. We know that you want to do it and we thank you that you are so powerful to accomplish it. Lord, we thank you for the story of Rahab and just her faithful obedience to a God that she knew was real and that wanted to change her life. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for your word this morning. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, 
Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.